0: Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, a show where we spotlight companies making money by making the world a better place. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and if you share a passion for using commerce to solve many of the world's most pressing problems, then this is the show for you. Well, friends, welcome to episode 51 of Business for Good. This is a special episode because the guest holds many interesting titles for our purposes. Tony Okamoto is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, She's a successful author. She's the creator and former co-host of this very podcast. And oh yeah, she also happens to be my wife. And Tony has a new cookbook coming out. This is her third cookbook entitled The Friendly Vegan Cookbook which is authored with Tony's business partner and friend, Michelle Kane. Now, before you think this is just some act of nepotism to promote my wife's new book, which is certainly worth promoting, nepotism or not, as you'll soon hear, Tony has a fascinating tale to tell about her success as an entrepreneur. In this episode, we chat about what led Tony to leave the comfortable life of a paycheck and benefits to take a bet on starting her own company based on her passion, helping people save money by eating plant-based. With no outside investment, And just by bootstrapping with revenue that she has brought in, Tony has built her company into a powerhouse, providing jobs for six people plus herself and reaching vast numbers of people with a potent message about how to live more sustainably each day. It's normally taboo to talk about just how much money somebody makes, but Tony gets into the specific numbers here to offer precise details about her business's various revenue streams. So if you have ever wondered how social media influencers actually make a living, and what their lives are like, including the barrage of both encouragement and criticism they receive online daily. This podcast will answer that plus a whole lot more. I now bring you the person in whose shadow I often live, my wife, Tony Okamoto. Tony Okamoto, it has taken us 30 episodes to get you back on to the Business for Good podcast. Welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It is very nice. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, you will remember Tony's voice because she was on the first 20 episodes as a co-host. In fact, the show was actually her idea. So we decided after episode 20 for the sake of marital harmony that we would go our separate ways as hosts of our own respective podcasts.
1: Wait, wait is that what you tell people?
0: Uh, that's what I'm telling people now, and it is what I tell people because I believe it to be true. Do you have a different re- recollection of it?
1: I tell people I was getting ready to go on a book tour, so I had to take a
0: pause. <laughs> take a pause for 30 episodes long <laughs> after the book tour. Yes, that sounds very plausible. It is true that you were going on a book tour. That is, is true for your second book, and I know you have a third book coming out, The Friendly Vegan, co-authored with Michelle Kane. and we will talk about that in this interview, but we are going to talk about some other things first. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it was better for our marriage to not be co-hosts of the show. What do you think? Do you think that's true?
1: I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a pretty diplomatic uh, self-restraint there to, to do that. So um. <laughs> anyway, well, welcome back. Great to have you back on Business for Good. And I wanted to start with this question because I had this question when we actually started dating. Now, when when, let me just put it this way. If somebody said to me they were a social media influencer, I said, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a social media influencer. I would think you have no job. That means you have no job. Of course, I know that's not true now uh, because we are together and I've learned about your life. Um, But that's what I would have thought originally. And in fact, you were making essentially no money doing this when we first met. So it would have affirmed my bias back then. But what do you tell people? Like even today, what do you tell people you do for a living when they ask you?
1: Well, you're not alone in thinking that being a blogger or influencer is not a job because my parents said the same thing when I told them that I was going to leave a world that provided me with benefits to be a full-time blogger. They said, that's not a job. But I've tried out many different responses and I've, I've noticed that the one that is most accepted and is like, oh yeah, that's cool, is an author. So I say, I'm an author.
0: <laughs> well, it is true that you're an author, but I, I don't think it's like the main source of your income and we'll get into your revenue streams later, but uh, your authorship is not the primary source of your revenue, is it?
1: Mm, I, have, I have a pretty diverse set of revenue streams, which is intentional and it is substantial.
0: Yeah, I know it's substantial, and we'll talk about the specific numbers, too. We're going to get into how my wife makes money in this episode, don't worry. Um, But uh, it certainly doesn't seem to be the biggest use of your time, um, from my own perception of what you do. I mean, when you're in book mode, it is, but most of the time you're doing other things like, what are you doing Like, when when I go to work? What are you doing all day? It doesn't seem like you're writing books all day.
1: Well, besides baking cookies and playing with our dog, (laughs) I, I... do spend a lot of time working on my books. I've been writing books since 2016. Now this is my third one. But in addition to that, I also manage a team of people and I work with brands in an ambassadorship program where I promote whatever they want, whether it's their newest product or how to use it or where to find it. I also uh, am a content creator. So I develop recipes, write articles, post on social media, and things like that.
0: When you say you work for a team, how many people work at Plant Based on a Budget now?
1: Right now, it's six in addition to me.
0: Okay, cool. So there's seven people making money by from this brand, and you've never taken outside investment, right? It's it's all from the revenue streams that you're pulling in. Correct. Cool. Well, I can't wait to talk about how you have built this to a a team of seven people, yourself included. But uh, before we even get there, you know what do you tell people when, when people ask me like what is plant based on a budget? Sometimes I struggle. I'm like, well, it's a website, but check out the Instagram account. That's where they're biggest. And then I'm like, oh no, actually, look at them on Facebook. Well, it's actually the name of her cookbook. Go out and buy plant based on a budget. Like, what do you tell people? What's plant based on a budget?
1: It's a variety of resources including free recipes, meal plans, social media, a book, a podcast that help you become plant based on a budget. It's mm-hmm. for cost conscious people.
0: So how would you describe the mission of this company then?
1: To help conscious people eat plant-based without a worry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because a lot of people, when they hear plant-based or they try it out many times, uh, you hear them saying, well, it just costs so much more, right? Like I don't have the the finances to be able to afford to go plant-based. But I know from looking at your meal plans and from having participated in your meal plans before that actually uh, not only can it be cost-effective, it can really save you a lot of money. Like your meal plans, how much money um, are people saving? Like, what does it cost to get 25 meals on there?
1: It's about $25 a week for food to feed one person sometimes I've heard that people were able to feed two people on that $25 per week.
0: So by per week, you mean 21 meals for $25? Correct. Yeah. So what's that come out to per meal? It's like a little 20. over. So so you're basically saying you can eat a fulfilling meal, every meal for $1.20? Right. Wow, pretty impressive. Okay. Well, I, I have actually done the plant-based on a budget meal plan and challenge. So I know that it is possible, but it has some snacks in there too. Is that included in there?
1: We have a companion meal plan that is for snacks.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I thought it was meals plus snacks. Is that not right? It's three meals plus snacks?
1: It is in addition to that. So uh, we say if you have an extra $5 to prepare all of your snacks for the week, that's the budget.
0: Ah, Okay. Got it. So if I want to take five dollars out of our dog Eddie's food budget for the week, I can I can get some <laughs> snacks myself. Okay. So that's the mission of the company, but how did this all get started? Like, I mean, when you were a kid, is this something that you cared about? Was it like you were thinking about saving money or eating healthy or anything like that?
1: No, it has grown over time. I grew up in a family, uh, well, to take it way, way back. My take, da- take us back. <laughs> my dad, uh, was 19 when I was born and went to the Navy. And I lived with my grandparents and my grandparents were retired. My grandma is full Mexican. My grandpa is full Japanese. And it was a real interesting experience growing up with the blend of both cultural foods in my life. Uh, And I enjoyed fresh food. I enjoyed what my grandma cooked from scratch. But when I moved over to my dad's house when I was 11, I lived the bachelor life with my dad. I ate hot dogs with canned chili. I ate frozen meals, ramen, instant ramen. I ate uh, mac and cheese and things like that. And the older I the older I got and the more I learned about food, the more I realized how much my family was suffering from diet related issues like type two diabetes. I had an aunt who had multiple amputations and it ultimately claimed her life. I had an uncle who was only 40 years old and had a heart attack. I had my grandpa who was a father figure in my life, uh, have complications in his triple bypass surgery and it, and it killed him. So I learned about the consequences of a, of a poor diet and, uh, Changed my life from there. Mm
0: -hmm. And so when you say you changed your life, you mean you started eating plant based?
1: I did. I learned about plant based uh, not through animal issues, which is what most people think, but instead when I was in high school, I was eating a really poor diet filled with lots of processed foods, especially fast food. And I was running track at the same time. And it was making me sick. And my coach, asked what I was eating. And I told him, I mean, talk about every single day. And he suggested that I cut back on fast food and that I cut back on red meat. So I started cutting back on red meat. And when I moved out of my parents' house, I became a full-on vegetarian. My parents were not really thrilled with the vegetarian thing. (laughs) They thought I was a radical leftist hippie when I told them that I wasn't going to eat red meat anymore. So I waited until I moved out and then I became a vegan in college. Um, The first time I went to college, which was when I was... 1920,
0: it became vegan. When you say first time because you didn't graduate and you, you went back a, like a decade later to and did graduate. That is right. Right. Yes. Uh, well, so a lot happened during that time between when you first went to college and became vegan and then went back a decade later. So let's talk about that. You started working at pretty much like low-level jobs at animal protection charities. And then at some point you get this idea that you should start this blog, right? What happened?
1: It was a lot of what i was just explaining about how my family was really suffering and i had this activist mindset i've been working in the i had been working in the animal protection space wanting to do more to help animals to help the environment and to help my family uh, so i started compiling my family's favorite recipes i recruited some friends to share their family's favorite recipes as well, and went from there.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, when we met, um, the first time we met, actually, the first time we met, you informed me that we had actually met a few years earlier and I had no recollection of it. Fortunately, I was honest and just said I had no recollection of it. But uh, I I remember digging my grave a bit. I think uh, you had said we had already met. And I, I told you, oh, well, I'm sorry, you know, it must have been like some brief thing. You're like, no, actually, we met three years ago at a concert. And I remembered being at the concert, but I didn't remember meeting you. So I just told you that. And then what did you tell me after that?
1: I said, I also added you on Facebook and you'd never added me back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was really digging my grave. Yeah. After I confessed to not remember meeting and then ignoring a Facebook request. But, um, Anyway, shame on me. But in the end, it worked out. Uh, So, But when we first met, I mean, you were working at an animal protection group and you had started this blog on the side, but it wasn't something that you were really thinking about as anything other than basically a passion or a hobby on the side. Certainly not something that you would ever make a living from. So what led you to take that dive and decide that you were going to leave the more comfortable world of a salary and benefits and go start your own company?
1: Well, Unfortunately, I was let go from that job, and I thought I would interview at different animal organizations, animal protection organizations, and I started to. I was interviewing with some of the top organizations, and the process was so long. It was months long of interviewing with multiple people that I started focusing my attention full-time on plant-based on a budget, and my friend Michelle, who's now my business partner, she had left her job one year prior and started doing what is World of Vegan, her her website full-time. And so she was really encouraging me. She was saying, you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. Uh, And so that was very helpful. And then also you, while everybody else was looking at me like I was insane, considering doing a blog full-time, Michelle and Paul were the two people who encouraged me to continue on.
0: Uh, That is uh, very nice of you. I do remember encouraging you to do it, although I do think I also might have thought that you were insane. But (laughs) uh, I thought, yeah, I I thought, why not give this a try? Start your own company. Rather than trying to work for somebody else's nonprofit organization, why not make some money doing uh, good in the world? And, uh, you know, look at how far it's come now.
1: That was a big year for me. That was late 2016. It was the year I decided to go back to school. And that was also the year I started doing plant-based on a budget full-time.
0: Yeah, and uh, when we became a couple, which was like in uh, 2017, We, uh, I remember thinking like, well, we'll see if this thing really can work or not. But you were going back to school when you were trying to get your college degree. And um, so that was a a big deal for you was trying to do this company while at the same time also uh, earning your college degree as somebody in your 30s, which I really admired that you were going back and, and trying to do that.
1: I graduated when I was 30. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. So you were 29. that. So. <laughs> you can see how marriages work. That something like that gets brought up. <laughs> so did you ever dream back then that this would be like your full-time profession, that it would be actually providing you with a lot of revenue?
1: Well, when I started, no, I was working with a mutual friend of ours. His name is Paul Schwartz. The way it started for me was I created a Patreon account. I had no money. I was dirt poor and had little savings and I started a Patreon which is a platform which allows people to sponsor your work so if you enjoy a content creator online you can give them 5 dollars a month or 10 dollars a month or 100 dollars a month and our friend Paul Schwartz donated 12 dollars a month to help me fulfill my dream of being a, a blogger and uh, I wrote him a thank you note. And I, I told him, thank you so much. I appreciate you. This means so much that you have faith in me. And he said, yeah, I've done a bunch of business stuff. If you have any questions, let me know. <laughs> and I took him up on it. I was talking to anybody who would listen to me or I'm sorry, who, who would share their experience with me about business. And he was one of them. I chatted with him the first time for two hours. Then he offered to do some modeling with me cr- to create a one year, three year, and five year plan to do a SWOT analysis. And
0: tell people who don't know what a SWOT analysis, what it stands for.
1: It is strengths, weaknesses,
0: opportunities. And <laughs> Paul Schwartz is gonna be so sad if he listens to this. And, and threats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh yeah. Paul, I'm sorry. Sorry, you, Paul. The the apple fell fall from the tree.
1: <laughs> I would have gotten it.
0: All right. Uh, so Paul was helping you out.
1: Yes, and I remember we had to in the first, the first year we came up with how much money I would like to make in one year. Then in three years, and I remember at five years he wanted me to make seventy thousand dollars per year, and I thought you could out, you could say out a bajillion dollars. That's what he could have written down because that's how I how extreme I thought seventy thousand dollars per year would be.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's funny, uh, considering uh, what Plant Based on a Budget is doing now, which we'll which we'll get into for sure. Um, so let's chat about that. Uh, you know, what are the revenue streams for Plant Based on a Budget? I remember the was it is it the first one really was the meal plans? Is that right?
1: Well, I did some things I didn't want to do in the beginning, and they were very off-brand. But I had no money, so. The very first time I made money, someone wanted to promote their baby strollers and baby bags on plant based on a budget. And I didn't have any money. So I said, of course, they want to pay me 200 bucks to promote some baby stuff.
0: You mean as an like, ad on the website? Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: It, my my website has nothing to do with babies. But still, I did it because I needed that $200. Uh, but after that, I started creating meal plans that were premium meal plans for, and selling them for $5. I co-authored them with Michelle Kane.
0: And how many customers did you get at $5 a piece for these meal plans?
1: Over time, we have done very well. I would say we're over 15,000 customers or somewhere around there.
0: So over fifteen thousand paying customers, some of whom are buying more than one meal plan, because there's more one more than one that you can get, right?
1: There's a bundle, and the bundle is up to thirty dollars.
0: Right. So you have started this company. You are now uh, uh, at over fifteen thousand paying customers just for the meal plans. So what are the other revenue streams that you have?
1: Well, listening to different podcasts in the beginning was really helpful, and I remember listening to Pat Flynn's Smart passive income podcast and I learned the importance of diversifying your revenue streams and creating passive revenue sources and and so the ways I focused on were ad revenue which meant I had to get to a certain amount of viewers on my website mm-hmm. uh, sponsorships which is what I was mentioning earlier uh, where brands pay me, to do whatever they need me to do and promote them to my audience.
0: When you say promote it on your audience, you're talking about social media, not on the website, right? Both. Okay. So is somebody, a food company X says, Hey, uh, you know, I want you to take a photo of yourself eating our product and post it on Instagram though. And they pay you to do that.
1: I mostly do recipe development, but Mm -hmm. some really do want me to be in it. I prefer not to be in the photos, Mm -hmm. but I, I do a lot of recipe development for brands.
0: Okay, so there is ads on the website. There is sponsored content on social media. There is the uh, meal plans that are paid for. What else?
1: Books, books, uh, I, and I do uh, affiliate marketing as well.
0: Mm, what's affiliate marketing?
1: It's when I get a cut if if I refer a customer to another company, they give me a cut of that uh, subscription mm. or purchase. Okay. that someone makes.
0: And then you also have your own podcast, Plant Powered People, which takes ads as well, right?
1: Yes. And we also have a Patreon for that as well.
0: So you, the the reason why companies are interested in what you're doing is because there's a huge audience. I mean, I just looked it up on Instagram. You have over 400 follow 400,000 followers on there alone. How did that happen? I mean, you didn't, Pay for these people to come and follow you, just created content that they wanted. Like, what was your secret to success from going from a hobby on the side to having 400,000 plus people following you on Instagram?
1: Consistency, patience. It wasn't like that forever. I started from the bottom. I didn't have any followers and I didn't have a lot of experience. I took photos with my cell phone. I am in the process right now of going through my old content and updating it with a professional photographer and an editor, and I'm going and I'm just embarrassed by what I was posting originally. <laughs> so it it wasn't always glamorous or easy, and I didn't have a team. I did everything myself, uh, but it's it's come a long way.
0: Yeah. And to give a shout out for that professional photographer who is?
1: Alfonso Ravia, my He's just a fantastic photographer and he also Uh runs my social media.
0: And he is the content manager of Business for Good Podcast. So a shout out to Alfonso. Eres mi hermano, te amo. Anyway, so we're definitely uh, now up to speed on all the revenue streams that you're bringing in, but let's talk about what kind of revenue for real get down to the numbers. Now, I know for most people, it's taboo to talk about how much money you make on business for good, though, we talk about the business of this. So when you talk about revenue, like for these books, you know, like how many, let's say you take your last book plant based on a budget. Was that a lucrative financial endeavor for you? I know it was a popular book. I know you sold many tens of thousands of copies of it. um, But was it lucrative?
1: Oh <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually talk about money with people. Uh so this is don't,
0: don't worry, it's just stepping me.
1: Stepping into new territory. But uh, I will say I, I so I wrote a book before. I wrote a book before Plant Based on a Budget. And we'll start there.
0: Okay. I had That's, what's the name of the first book?
1: The super easy vegan slow cooker cookbook. Okay. And someone approached me to write this book. It was not my idea. And I I wrote it and I was really excited. I got paid, I think maybe $2,500 to write this cookbook. And I thought, wow, $2,500 is amazing. And uh, I didn't realize how much work it would be. It would take months of my life. And that book was was not the traditionally published timeline, which is years of writing. It was a fast turnaround. So I think I had maybe three months to write a whole book. So for three months of work, Full time I got paid twenty five hundred dollars, maybe three thousand at most. But again, I had no money. So that was very meaningful to me. And I ended up selling somewhere around seventy plus thousand, seventy thousand plus copies. Of, mm-hmm. of that book,
0: which in the book world is a huge number. That's like you know sixty nine thousand copies more than what a lot of books would probably go for.
1: <laughs> and and uh, I, I just didn't get paid very much money, and I didn't know any different. And then when I went to Ben Bella, who's my current publisher, I.
0: When you had an actual agent to represent you.
1: I got an agent. I had no idea how to do it. I started Google searching. I was looking up forums from 2002 to figure out how to find an agent. Got an agent, pitched my book idea, which was plant-based on a budget, and got one offer. And I was disappointed uh, that I only had one offer. And I really had to believe in myself because I had two options. I had the option of going and, and of receiving a $20,000 advance and taking a 15% royalty or not getting any advance and getting 50% of profits. 50,
0: 50
1: mm-hmm, of, of profits. And I had to believe in myself and, and the publisher, his name is Glenn. He said, you really have to believe in yourself. You have to think like a business person if you're going to take this option because it is going to be a lot of work on you to make sure that you are selling enough books for it to be the the better deal than taking $20,000 up front. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I took a bet on myself. I said, I, I believe I can sell 100,000 copies mm-hmm. and I'm still working my way there. But it has proven to be good so far. I've only gotten one year's worth of money and I made about $57,000 in the first year.
0: Great. So in other words, if the listeners of the show want our dog Eddie to keep eating, go order a copy of Plant Based on a Budget right now (laughs) and get Tony above 100,000 books sold. Uh, Well, that's great. And so then, but that's not your biggest uh, revenue stream, right? It's like it's a substantial, but not your biggest revenue stream from, was uh, the sponsored content a bigger stream there? Yes. Right. So what portion of your content that you're posting on social media is sponsored versus not paid for?
1: Uh, I would say the majority is not paid for. I, mm-hmm. try, to, um, I try to give one new free recipe per week. So I create a new recipe every week to post on plant-based on a budget and we have sponsored posts maybe three times a month, maybe four.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, so but, so as well more than the majority is. Yes. You know, huge and portion. that's on the
1: blog. So on the blog we have a lot of free content, but on the on Instagram, I'll do Instagram stories where I'm talking to my audience on video saying, hey, check out this, this new product. I'm at Walgreens and they have this awesome vegan new cookie. And, and, and so that's how I do sponsored content. That's not on the blog. And sometimes it's on our newsletter. Sometimes it's on Facebook. There are lots of different ways to be sponsored.
0: Okay. Well, in terms of your next business venture, you have a third book that is coming out. What date does it come out?
1: October 27th.
0: October 27th, 2020. And it is co-authored with your friend and business partner, Michelle Kane, who, uh, as you said, runs a brand called World of Vegans. So what's it like to write a book with one of your close friends? I mean, what is the business partnership like? I know what it was like to try to co-host a podcast with my wife. What's it been like to try to uh, co-author a book with your closest friend? Well, one of your closest friends. I don't want to denigrate any of your other close friends on the show who who might be listening, but with one of your closest friends.
1: Well, I'd like to rewind a little bit because this is not the first project that Michelle and I did together. We have worked together for hundreds of hours and we have an LLC form together. We have a podcast, a meal plan, lots of videos. And so it wasn't just the book that we started working together and Mm -hmm. we worked out a lot of the kinks early on. I would say, even when you're in the happiest, nicest loving friendship, I do have a business mind. We have a contract in place. We have lawyers look over our, our legal documents. We have a, an LLC formed. And in addition to that, we have rules. In our in our friendship in our relationship as as business people we we make sure to talk about anything that is bothering us immediately so it doesn't fester. We uh, here's one thing that she does for me. She never edits over my writing, she'll always suggest. And we learned that the hard way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean in Google Docs, she'll only offer suggestions rather than just edit into it. Yes. Yeah, all right, that's good. Yes, So That's, that's, that's a like true that, sign of respect.
1: Yes. Little things like that we've worked out in advance. And so when we got to the book, it was just wonderful. I loved working with Michelle. We had some challenges uh, in our personal lives and we're in a pandemic right now. And that's a an interesting obstacle to experience while you're coming out with a book, but it has been very wonderful. And I'm grateful for her, for, for everything she brings to the Friendly Vegan Cookbook and in my life personally.
0: That's great. Okay. So what is the Friendly Vegan Cookbook?
1: The Friendly Vegan Cookbook is The Ultimate Vegan Cookbook. (laughs) (laughs)
0: There's hundreds and hundreds. This is obviously by far the best one ever. Why is it so friendly? What makes it friendly?
1: Well, one, we're friends. Two, we have a friendly approach to plant-based eating. There are lots of different ways to communicate about eating a plant-based diet. And we have chosen to be very enthusiastic, to celebrate every meal that's plant-based, instead of saying it's an all or nothing thing, we welcome people where they are and clap for them when they choose a plant-based
0: meal. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's not necessarily that there's something inherent to each recipe that is friendly, but rather the verbiage in the book, celebrating progress rather than expecting perfection, that's the friendly aspect of it.
1: Yes, and then the the other part is we... we believe that sharing food is one of the best ways to introduce people to the idea of vegan eating, vegan Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And I've heard, we have both heard so many times that if I could eat this every day, then I would totally be vegan. And now they can because they're going to buy our book and it's going to be easier for them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, so when you released your last book, it was uh, right after we got married, and in fact, we said eh, we're not going to do a honeymoon because the book tour is, is all consuming. So we didn't do a honeymoon. We still haven't. Um, and you went on a book tour. And my recollection of it is that you were traveling at least once a week to some city to do a morning TV station or something like that. Uh, what's it been like now? Trying to release a book where you can't travel at all. What's the what's the publicity like?
1: First, I'd like to. Give a shout out to my loving husband, who I was married to for six days before I said peace out. I'm traveling every week <laughs> for the next six months, so thank you for that. And then when I got home, I started writing the Friendly Vegan Cookbook, and I just appreciate all the love and support that you constantly give me. So there's that. Uh, but to answer your question, I ha- Michelle and I have had to be really innovative. And look for virtual opportunities. We've invested a lot of our time in podcasts. Uh, We have a wonderful person who's pitching us. You
0: mean pitching yourselves to other podcasts, not in your own podcast?
1: Right. We have a wonderful person who's pitching us uh, to different podcasts, different Instagram live opportunities. Uh, I have a publicist who is... um, Fantastic. She has already gotten us, I think, nine TV segments for this book launch
0: that are all filmed remotely from our kitchen. <laughs> yes. Yep. T- and- Tony has me at like five in the morning. She'll be doing five in the morning, California time. She'll be doing like an East Coast TV morning show live, a cooking demo. And I have to take Eddie for a walk at five in the morning to make sure that he doesn't do anything to upset what's going on in the house.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that, too. <laughs> and and then we're doing something that's really interesting, and that is relying on our friends who have platforms themselves. We have sent out a lot of copies of our book, and we're hoping that all of the people we have helped promote in the past will help promote us mm-hmm. this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it only takes like, you know, one big Thing I mean, I remember when Roy Friedman put out Skinny Bitch, like the book didn't really do much for, I think it was like a year or two. And then there was just happened to be a photograph. I think it was like one of the Spice Girls, wasn't it? Who was photographed with a, a, uh, just carrying the book Skinny Bitch. And then it got launched into being a national bestseller uh, just because of that. And so, you know, for you in the era of... Uh, Instagram and uh, people who are very famous online, it can just be like, you know, one person, the the right influencer who can promote the book that could really make a difference for you, right?
1: Right. And Michelle and I have been, we've had our our Instagram accounts for a really long time. Michelle has 1.1 million followers. I have over 400,000 followers. And we went through and found all, a lot of the celebrities who follow us and cold messaged them. Hey, can we send you a copy of our book? And we were surprised by how many people said yes.
0: Huh, that's cool. Who's the coolest one who has said yes so far?
1: There are a couple. Uh, my two favorites, uh, Steve Aoki, who is a DJ. And then also, I'm a big Grey's Anatomy fan. And Ellen Pompeo, who plays Meredith Grey, also um said that she she was going to not only receive our book, but make the recipes and post them online.
0: Oh, how nice. That's really, really nice. Um, Well, you might even be able to persuade one big Instagram influencer, (laughs) Eddie the Pity on Instagram to do a post about the book.
1: I would be so lucky.
0: Well, we'll see. I might know a guy. so Tony, you know, the brand Plant Based on a Budget is obviously now vastly bigger than you would have ever dreamt, honestly. I mean it's so much bigger than many people would have ever thought it could be. And I think it's a great example of how too often we have a poverty of ambition. We have a poverty of vision in that people have psychological limitations on what they think they can accomplish, and that holds them back from actually accomplishing their potential. And I've been extremely impressed by watching you build this company from nothing to something that now is employing six people. And, you know, you look at many of the companies we have on this show, and they're raising millions of dollars in venture capital from investors, and they're not selling anything yet. I mean, many of them have really cool ideas and doing cool science, yet you have created a company that just bootstrapping with revenue, it's not like you were, you know, putting your own cash into it. It's just bootstrapping with revenue that you were making um, now is really a force and doing a lot of good in the world. So if this is bigger than what you would have imagined a few years ago, what do you think about for your hopes for the company, let's say a few years from now? Like, where do you think Plant Based on a Budget will be when we come back on the show in 2023?
1: There's so much happening in social media and I would love to explore all of the different ways to promote our content using social media platforms. I don't do much on Pinterest. Instagram now has reels, but who knows what they're going to have next year. uh, And who knows what social media platforms will exist. TikTok didn't exist last year and now it's all the rage. So we're trying to keep up. If I had all of the money, I would invest more in the technology part, making sure that whoever is in that position would explore to the max so that we can be creating the best content for people that's going to get them really inspired about plant-based eating. Mm
0: -hmm. So how do you manage to stay relevant? I mean, there's so many different vegan food bloggers and influencers out there. Like, How do you manage to stay relevant and not just get subsumed in this sea of influencers or people who are trying to be influencers?
1: I have a really great team and we collaborate. Every Tuesday I have a call with Bea and Alfonso and we talk about what we've seen on social media over the past week. And every week there's something new. We try things out, we fail sometimes and we have to go back to the drawing board, but it's a chance to have all of us compile our best ideas and move forward with them. And I, I don't look at it as a competition I look, at it, I look at it as more of a collaboration with other influencers. I'm happy to promote people on my channels. I do something called Meatless Monday takeovers, where every Monday I bring I bring someone who has a smaller platform, like 5,000, 10,000 followers, and I introduce my audience to them because if, if people want to promote plant-based eating, I I think that that's fantastic.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's really great. So how has your life changed? You know, from going from being one of those smaller brands that had very few followers to being uh, a larger brand now that has a lot of followers. I mean, I know in my own life, and I've been in restaurants with you, people recognize you, people come up and ask me to take their photo with you. Um, Uh, You know, people are commenting on you on social media all the time, both positively and negatively. Um, You know, like, how has your life changed?
1: In a variety of ways. Uh, Most, mostly I am much more private about my life because of the scrutiny. I feel like if I post that I was at this place or that I ate this thing or I went to this event, there's going to be someone who is going to criticize it. So I limit my personal appearances on, on play based on a budget. And even on my own, my own personal accounts, like my own Instagram, my own Facebook. And I've had to learn how to have thicker skin. I've been a really sensitive person my whole life and having to switch to, they can say that and they don't know me, so it's okay. I don't need to
0: <laughs>
1: cry about it or be <laughs> upset. That's
0: what are some of the things you're getting criticized for?
1: Oh, uh, most the most common thing is my voice. People really hate my voice, which is <laughs> uh, I've heard that I need voice therapy. They can't listen to me because they hate my voice so much. My hands are ugly. My lipstick is makes me look like
0: a prostitute. Um, That that, that is an actual Amazon review on one of Tony's books. (laughs) Somebody reviewed the book and their only comment was on the lipstick uh, that she was wearing in the back author profile photo. What did they say? I said that made you, what, what was the word they used?
1: uh oh, a, street, a streetwalker a streetwalker yeah
0: streetwalker. my my very nice aunt jackie when she uh, heard about this that there was a comment saying that tony's lipstick made her look like a streetwalker went and left an amazon review for the book saying where can i how can i find out the author's lipstick color i need to get that for myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. uh so that's a big way that it's changed i used to post family photos and Updates about my life pretty regularly that were public, and now I hardly do that. And I would say, I I don't live a a fancier life at all. I get more free stuff, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't take much of a salary from plant based on a budget. I invest most of it back into the brand, which is really important to me to continue growing the business. And so I don't make much more now than I did when I started.
0: Yeah, and I can attest to that, that Tony's not living uh, 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 that high on the hog. uh, A lot of it is just going back into trying to promote the brand to help people to adopt uh, plant-based eating, really, to help people along their way. So with that in mind, Tony, the whole purpose of this brand at first was to help your family lead a healthier life, to help them to eat more plant-based, to try to avoid Amputations and heart disease and diabetes and so on. Now that you're many years into it, you've obviously helped thousands and thousands of people to lead healthier lives, to save money. What about your own family? Have they been influenced by plant based on a budget?
1: I am most proud that my parents have made this big switch, and that is they no longer eat chorizo;
0: <laughs> they only
1: eat soy rizo. Cool. And it seems so small, but I I never would have guessed 13 years ago when I became vegan that they would make a switch like that, and they do it because I care about it. They and because it's um, the same price.
0: Yeah, and I saw it at at Grocery Outlet. For those of you who aren't familiar, Grocery Outlet is a uh, supermarket chain that is concentrated on the West Coast, though I think they have some East Coast presence now. But um, I saw uh, just recently, and I posted on my own Instagram channel that it was uh, the same exact price to get pork chorizo as it is to get soy chorizo, and they are marketed directly adjacent to one another. It was really amazing to see. I would love to know the data on like how much of that gets purchased as the vegan version versus the pork version when, when they're marketed adjacent to one another and at identical prices. It's pretty cool. It was really, really cool to see. Well, that's great. So any other changes aside from them switching chorizo for soy rizo?
1: People like Alan Pompeo from Grey's Anatomy just give me their address.
0: <laughs> sorry, I meant in your own family.
1: Oh, 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 sorry, I that thought you okay. meant uh, in my life. Um, that's the most. That's the, the most notable.
0: Okay, so. You now have grown, Tony, this brand from basically a personal hobby on the side while you were working another job to now being uh, a pretty large brand, employing a number of people. For a lot of folks who would look at you and say, hey, I'd like to be like her, are there any resources that you would offer that have been helpful for you in your own entrepreneurial journey to starting this company?
1: Yes, I would recommend first talking to everyone in your network who will discuss their own experience, talking to Paul Schwartz was so pivotal in this. It it turned me from a a blogger to a businesswoman. And, And so start there. I have enjoyed the Smart Passive Income podcast by Pat Flynn. I listened to the Startup podcast from Gimlet Media and that was really helpful. It, it's a podcast that people share, or sorry, this the this person who was a producer from Planet Money uh, recorded his experience in starting his own media company, and he fails, and his elevator pitch sucks, and his wife d- is not on board. She's pregnant, and he's quitting his well-paying job to do this startup company and he records all these conversations and to listen to someone who feels the same way that you do gives you comfort. Mm
0: -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Podcasts have been really helpful for me. And, uh, Paul Schwartz also was very helpful for me as, as you know, he, um, was very instrumental and has been instrumental in the Better Meet Co., not only in helping us uh, in the beginning, but being one of the earliest believers in the company as an investor in the company. And even today, he essentially acts almost like a pro bono CFO to the company right now. So uh, having that type of a person in your life who can really offer guidance certainly was very helpful for me in my own entrepreneurial journey as well. So big shout out to Paul if he happens to be listening. We often at the Better Meet Co. refer to him as Paul Sr. and me as Paul Jr., there to make sure that (laughs) when there's two Paul S's in the house, it's it's a little difficult. Um, So finally, Tony, when we started the podcast, you may remember there was one question that you always asked every guest on the episode, and that was what they were grateful for. The question since changed to ask people about what companies they would like to start, but they would like somebody else to start, that is. In your honor, though, I will return first to your question and ask you, what is one thing, Tony, for which you are grateful in your life?
1: I'm really grateful to have an incredible support system. My husband, my dog, my parents, Michelle, my my close friends. everyone is always supporting me, even if they disagree with my choice, even if it's I'm quitting a, a comfortable, job to be very, very dirt poor. I remember that when I started plant-based on a budget, I didn't have any money. So the way I hung out with my friends really changed. I couldn't go to dinner. I couldn't do anything that cost money. And so we would go on walks and we would make food at my house. And I really, really appreciate those people who helped me when I had nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always uh, easy to know who your friends are if they're your friends when you're down. Everybody wants to be your friend when you're up but you can see who your real friends are if they're friends with you when you are down. And uh, you have really uh, come a long way. And I know many of those friends myself, and they really are great friends to you and great friends to have. So you will not get off the hook though, Tony, for this question that gets asked to all the guests now, which is what companies would you like to see somebody else start? You're obviously busy doing plant-based on a budget. You want to grow it and do even more. But what do you wish existed that doesn't exist?
1: I've As an avid listener of the Business for Good podcast, I've really been racking my brain for what I would answer and, or how I would answer. And I i think I would, well, I know I would like to see uh, an, a plant-based protein co- company, an alternative meat company that is cost comparable with meat. So right now, the only one I'm aware of is the soy riso that is from a specific brand. It's El Rinaldo.
0: Yeah. It's not the brand Soy riso. It's, no, it's, it's a not it's brand. like a it's a brand called El Ronaldo.
1: Yep. And and that's the only plant-based meat where I go to the meat section where it is, and it's the same exact price as all of the meat versions. And so if I if I had one company, uh, I would like to see maybe a maybe a ground beef or or a chicken nugget
0: Well, considering that beef is a lot more expensive than chicken, I think it would be a lot easier for folks to compete on cost with beef than with chicken. Um, But you know, even uh, even beyond meat, with all the money they have, is still sold at multiples over the cost of conventional beef—not like thirty or forty percent, but like you know, three hundred percent more expensive, oftentimes, than just conventional commodity beef. Uh, They have a goal, I believe. I I heard their executive chairman say by the year twenty twenty five, they want to be cost comparative, cost comparable to commodity beef. Um, but you know, it's hard to get there, especially with the ingredients that are available to plant-based meat companies now. So if you have a way to make plant-based meat in a really inexpensive way, you, Tony Okamoto is promising here and now that for free, she will promote your brand on plant-based on a budget.
1: That is the truth. I'll Uh, do it.
0: All right. You have it here. That's a lot of valuable free marketing for you right there from plant-based on a budget. So Tony, the book is called The Friendly Vegan. With you and Michelle Kane as the co authors, go out and order it now. You can get it where?
1: Go to friendlyvegancookbook.com and you'll find all of your favorite bookstores listed.
0: Okay, very good. Welcome back to the Business for Good podcast, Tony. Maybe in another 30 episodes, we'll have you here again.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you found use in this episode. If so, don't keep it to yourself. Please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we hope you will be in the business of doing good.